episode number who cares welcome back to on the overrun the podcast about cars and creating appreciation for cars and mainly the people around them and just gathering communities of car lovers around a, a mutual passion so today we have another guest this is actually the first time i'm doing a zoom podcast which is quite interesting a bit nerve-wracking but i'll be fine don't worry about it now today's guest you will probably have seen him on youtube if you haven't then you may have been living under a rock but if you've been to the Nürburgring, then you have something in common with him. If you like pancakes, you also have something in common with him. So today we have Misha Sheridan, if I'm pronouncing it right. That's correct. Yeah. Thank you very much for the introduction. Okay. And especially the pancake part was absolutely spot on. <laughs> I needed to do some research to just sort of know, you know, besides cars, what is Misha actually into? And if you're not into pancakes, are you even human? Yeah, exactly. That, that, that's, you, you've done your research, you've done your homework. That's very important. Yeah, there's yeah. some other bits and bobs I won't be talking about uh, too much now. But anyway, um, Misha, thank you for being here. Uh, I just said mentioned earlier, you're probably the biggest guest I've had. No, not probably, definitely the biggest guest I've had on this podcast. But the thing is, you're still very much human and you still very much have a big passion for cars. And that is sort of what, you know, relates us in some way. So I want to thank you for sharing the passion with what you do. Um, but I would like you to just introduce yourself to the guest. Uh, maybe start off with where your passion for cars started. What was a, uh, a, you know, a dream job for Misha as a youngster? Um, just a bit of a background so that people know who you're talking to. Yeah, thank you very much for having me, first of all. And I also hope that uh, even though I am now, as you say, maybe your largest guest, that at some point I will be one of your smallest. Maybe Not physically largest, but largest, in terms but of following you. Yeah. That's that, that's what I mean, of course. Yeah, not physically, <laughs> but that, that's what I mean. Hopefully, I will be one of the or the smaller ones that you get to interview, even like the the bigger Good. stars or whatever your uh, <laughs> like quote is when it comes to measuring uh, <laughs> the size of uh, personas. <laughs> right. Uh, first of all, the introduction of uh, myself, as you asked, and I think it's going to be quite a it's a dangerous question because when you ask the car guy to talk about cars and their origins, it could be a pretty long answer. So I'm just gonna start somewhere and we see where we going to end up. So as mentioned, my name is Misha Sharudin. I'm uh, 31 years old. I was born in Moscow, Russia. Lived there for 11 years until I moved to the Netherlands together with my mom. Lived there until pretty much now, you could say. My mom still lives there. I visit her. I live now <clears throat> one and a half hour away from there. So um, yeah, although I live at the Nürburgring for the last six years, the connection to Netherlands is still pretty strong. Uh, and last year, I also lived for the largest part of the year in Zagreb, in Croatia, because of my work for Rimac Automobili, or Rimac, the uh, Croatian hypercar company. Um, yeah, where did my passion for cars start? It? I guess for like the majority of kids, for to say there is, there are at some point there are culture pop pop culture references. So of course, playing it for Speed, later on watching Fast and the Furious, but it's a lot later was that. Um, being from Russia and my dad being Russian, obviously he had a Lada. Lada is of course the biggest piece of shit you can buy that constantly keeps on breaking, that you constantly keep on fixing. So he was constantly fixing that and I was always standing aside and watching how he would be fixing that. So um, I always had like appreciation for cars. I remember that when I was like five, six years old and I was had the ability of talk, consciously think and remember things until today, I would know all the car brands, I would know all the car models, I was really uh, passionate about 
the cars itself, but not about technology, I would say, behind them. Okay, zero to 100 numbers, zero to, to 60 numbers, but I was not really that technical until I was like 16 years old, 18 years old, when I would have like my first moped, scooter, motorcycle, and eventually cars that I started doing something with them. I was not too much like, not really into the technology behind them. I was just like really the concept of cars interested me a lot. Um, then I remember when I was five years old, my uh, friends of my parents gave me a Lego set of a gas station uh, for Christmas, for New Year's actually. And uh, I was playing with the gas station, I had model cars and I was playing, uh, I was making a traffic jam to the gas station because uh, it was shortly after Soviet Union fell apart and uh, the gas was very scarce in, in Russia. So there would be actual physical traffic jams to the gas station and that, that was something I would be reenacting. So during the day, me and my dad would be in a traffic jam to the gas station, an <laughs> actual thing. And then evening at home, I would That's be so playing good. that. So yeah. Later on, also like also friends of my mom, because my mom was working in a foreign company. So as mentioned, Russia was still kind of starting to get globalized or internationalized. So like uh, the ties with foreign countries were kind of difficult, getting different products from abroad were, were difficult. But uh, my parents were like in a more fortunate position because they, they were working in foreign companies. They had uh, foreign friends. And one of their friends, they, he gave me uh, a model, a scale model of the Lamborghini Diablo SV. So, and that's something that I was, that probably definitely like sparked my love or interest for hyper, supercars because doors went up and it was something different than the Boxy Lada model, of course. Had to know everything about it. Then in 95, 96, we started playing Need for Speed, where you had also Lamborghini Diablo. Um, actually, Dodge Viper, I think, was the fastest car in Need for Speed, in any case. <laughs> um, there were many things that led up to uh, me loving cars from small things to eventually big things. Uh, the fun thing I want to say is that until I was, um, yeah, I, 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 I actually, uh, it took me quite a, quite a while to get my driver's license. I think I was um, 20 that I got my car's license and uh, or 19. So it was not immediately, okay, I'm, I'm 18, yeah. I need to do it now. I'm going to buy my first car. I'm going to save for it. Uh, no, and at the age of 21, I was just like really uh, casually that I didn't need a car because I lived without it, but I gathered okay money that I could spend on, and I, I bought my first car, which was a Subaru Impreza GC8 uh, from a friend of For mine. For the first and... car. Yes. Oh, that's not bad. Yes. That's not bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was the very first Impreza. Of course, it's a, it's it's very it's a very good thing. It is still nowadays a very nice car for a first car. Um, but yeah, and eventually things went from, uh, from simple to very wrong because I, when I bought it, the brake pads were already done. So what do you do? You're not going to change just brake pads. No, I put big brake kit system all around front and back suspension on top as well, because you had to do something with inside the wheel arch. So I called the guy, the, the tuner, I said like, yo, can we also do suspension at the same time? Uh, sure. Then that, uh, when I bought the car, I also uh, immediately, the first thing I did when I came home uh, after the purchase, I signed up for the race car driver license course with that car, uh, bought the car in June, the course was in November, and then in between, I already started modifying it, and eventually the following year, I had one of the fastest Subarus in the world, because it was like 705 horsepower, 864 newton meters of torque. Um, that was kind of ridiculous. I'm from, <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, Still nowadays, 
uh, kind of miss it and uh, I'm playing with the thought and that I still might build something like that one day. Uh, currently having different plans, but yeah, these were just like the long past, the in-between and where I am right now. Uh, of course, the majority of people uh, should know that I am linked to the Nuevo Cream mostly. And the funny story that I always uh, keep saying is that it's actually pretty weird in a way or uh, yeah it, it, it is it is unplanned because as mentioned I lived in the Netherlands my mom still lives there one and a half hour away so even when I had the Impreza even when I had other cars and I was a car guy and even interesting cars Nivacrim for many people is their life goal dream the Mecca to go to there once in a while once in their lifetime they live in Australia, South Africa, you know, South America, and they, they planned their trip to, to go there. And for me, it was one and a half hour away. I was like, meh, not yeah. interested, yeah. <laughs> you know, not, not attracted at all. And I have all the means to go there, even just to spectate. And uh, the reason I got here is because I just got a job offer to do marketing for a, for a company here. Uh, I'm like, sure, let's do it. Um, again, no attraction to Nürburgring. It was something like, okay, new challenge is going to be cool did it and uh, two years later i left the company and started uh, together with robert to start at apex and never looked back well tried to leave somewhere else do some projects yeah. in between still yeah. doing some projects in between but uh, yeah that place kind of got me now and um, i cannot live without the ring and uh, some people say a ring cannot live without me and i find it a very uh, yeah an honorable thing whenever people say that so yeah yeah, kind yeah. Of. that's a long story we'll, short. So we'll have a well. It is quite a long story and very shortly summarized. You've probably told that story so many times, but um, before we chat about the Nurburgring, I'm actually interested to know: was cars always part of your plan for the future? If you like were in high school and you, in college or whatever, and you looked forward to your future, was it always cars that was like you know I need to do something with cars, or was there actually other interests that sparked? your way to there because you just told me about the marketing job you got that actually led to where you are now. So, I mean, what did it, what did a dream job or like your future look early in your life? Yeah. You know, uh, first of all, I want to say that it's a very good question and I, I'm uh, very happy that you ask it. And uh, actually no one usually when I do these kind of interviews, podcasts or videos or anything, no one actually asks, asks me that because just like the fact that uh, I ended up at the Nürburgring coincidentally, the, the the thing was with cars was also never a thing that I aspired to be doing because back then when I was a kid I had a very I had an understanding I wouldn't say it was wrong but it was like the the way I was looking at things I saw cars as a pure hobby and uh, something that it would not be possible to make a job out of and but eventually I mean you can make a job out of it but my understanding was if you want to do something with cars, you need to go to the technical university, you need to be an engineer, you need to do something like that. But no, you have, of course, salespeople, you have marketing people, you have designers, you have the technical part is only such a small thing. So there was like a very big mis misconception of mine. And when I was a kid, of course, you, you went through high school and you're just like, la la la, doing some some stuff that you're deciding what you want to go go to do. and. Uh, even when you're in high school, I think for majority of people, it is way too early to decide their whole life path based on the decision that they have to take Definitely. when they're 16 years old. E even right now, when I'm 30 years old, I'm like, uh, I don't know what I'm going to be doing 
next year, what the world is gonna be like, and uh, you realize you should not be betting on one horse only. Like, you know, you should be doing multiple things. So, um, and you end up not liking some things, you know, and if you're just like, anyhow, let's not talk about, get too philosophical. Uh, long story short, uh, when, when I was a kid, uh, I was very active in terms of uh, physical activities, like going to fitness center. I wouldn't say bodybuilding because it was not that extreme, but I was like very in good physique and I loved, loved action. Um, and my biggest, uh, my biggest interest, I would say, I wouldn't say dream, but the interest, because I did not want to have a boring office job. That is something that I knew for sure. Uh, I wanted to be in the military. Basically, I wanted to be a Marine back then. And I actually passed the course. I passed it actually twice uh, because I had to do like the, the intake. And then I um, decided to um, spend one more year in high school. So on my exam year, actually, uh, like three quarter through the year, somewhere in, uh, in March, I said to my dean, I said, yo, bro, I want to quit. He's like, what do you mean you want to quit? I said, I enjoy it so much. I don't want to go and uh, I just want to hang out with you guys uh, a bit longer. And he couldn't believe what he was hearing because I could yeah. pass. Yeah. But I was just like, really, you know, I, I was having such a time of my life being like in high school and still enjoying my youth and being uh, like around my friends. And I just didn't want to give up and go move to another city, go to either to, to Marines or even university. But uh, in anyhow, we agreed. So I went and do a summer job and just like, you know, to, to come back later on. Uh, but the thing with the marine stuff, uh, it didn't work out because my mom asked me to go to university. She more or less begged me to do so. She said, don't go into army. You can always do it. Please start do university first. Like, okay, fine. You know, when your mom is asking something like that, it's hard to say no. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was right. I could always do it, you know. Um, plus, I had somewhat... Uh, um, would say concerns in terms of, okay, I'm a Russian guy in the Western army. Am I actually going to make a career out of it? You know, isn't, is there not going to be some sort of racial tension in terms of if, you know, if you want to make such a, if you're going to be end up there. So, you know, I was really thinking ahead of all the ifs and buts. Um, but long story short, went to the, uh, to the university basically um, to study business and management um, and alongside I was already doing parallel. I was doing these car, car stuffs. So I was already building the scooters before pass. Uh, like I was uh, participating with the drag racing championship uh, with scooters. And eventually I rolled up into cars. And I when I was doing my car project and scooter project, social media was just like an upcoming thing. We're talking about 2007, 2008. It was like you had MySpace, you had other stuff, you, but Facebook was only coming up. Uh, they didn't even have like the, the first billion or half a billion of followers uh, or like users, I would say. Um, but so I did not see it as a business or a possibility mm -hmm. on work with it. So it was just something that I would be like coming home, uh, we would do something on the car and I would have 20 different project pages from different forums like Subaru forum, like the, the regular car forum, the scooter forum where they have a sub tab for the cars then like something else then in russia then there and there and i would write and everything and copy paste and have everywhere and then of course something posts like some facebook album about the car parts that we put on so this was not something that i 
Uh, I was just doing it for fun, you know. And then somewhere, I would say 2013, 14, 15, came the transition of understanding, like, shit, I can actually, I don't have to work for my hobby. I can actually turn my hobby into a job because uh, as ridiculous as, as it might be, this is basically what people want to see and I can may turn it into um, job, work, thing. And, uh, and the things that I'm doing now, because as mentioned, social media was just an upcoming thing, was not something that they were teaching in university back then. They, they were, yeah. uh, right now, of course, the use of social media, I'm pretty sure, is like a very important topic and there are m many books written about it by now. But back then, when I was studying back then, there were just like some, sometimes there would be like uh, a master class or like some guest speaker talking about, oh yeah, you should uh, have a Facebook and Twitter page because that <laughs> yeah. might be very interesting where you might benefit from it. Uh, nowadays is of course very interesting, but what I'm referring to, as I was studying and I was in my third year already, uh, I would I, I had to go to fourth year because uh, I didn't pass all the subjects, but I was close to passing. But I realized, you know what? Nobody's gonna teach me automotive marketing or social media marketing the way that I'm knowing of how to do it right now by practicing. And uh, something felt like you know I either just like you know go and do it. Um, because it's either now or never. And yeah, I kind of went ahead and it turned out very well for me. So yeah. um, it was never my plan. Like it was never my plan to work at an Evercring. Uh, it was never my plan to work with cars. I either wanted to be a Marine or like some, I don't know, whatever boring office job would uh, <laughs> land me after my university degree. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. But uh, yeah. I'm a lot, uh, I'm happy where I am right now. Let's say that. So. Yeah, you know, if you were a Marine, you probably would have been my biggest guest on the podcast ever. Um, but besides that, I had a similar sort of experience in my first year where I, you know, from the start, people got to know me as the guy who loved cars and had a massive passion. And all of them were like, you know, why don't you study B-Tech or like engineering or like something in that line? And I was like, you know, actually, you don't have to. Like, you can still have that passion and hobby and study for the boring office job if that's really what you want to do. Um, so, uh, yeah, similar sort of situation, and I do understand where you're going. Um, also, I just want to mention and reiterate, he actually dragged race scooters. Um, I watched a few videos and listened to what he had to say, and this is just madness. Um, I'll definitely put a few videos in the description. Um, but yeah, social media definitely took a turn for the best or worst. You can probably take it in both ways, um, but you definitely made the best out of it now on YouTube and yeah, you know, rather a good following on social media. But I think this leads on to my next question because you are basically, as you said, you turned your hobby into a job and that is a very fortunate situation and that's not a situation everybody can, you know, testify or say, you know, I'm actually living the dream. But I think the problem becomes when human nature kicks in and sort of there's, you know, the danger of familiarity. So do you feel you have maybe become too familiar with cars or you know even the nurburgring over the years like do you or do you see the threat of becoming too familiar and maybe it becoming boring or yeah what's your opinion on that at the moment how, how are you feeling about it hmm uh again very good and uh, somewhat difficult because it's a deep question uh i mean 
I believe there is uh, there is some sort of a graph uh, that someone once drew when it comes to um, getting to know a certain subject. When you start knowing it, you kind of like, oh, I know everything about it. And the more you spend time knowing about it, the feel that you have that you're knowing about it drops significantly. You're like, shit, I actually know nothing about it at all. And then at some point it starts like slowly climbing, like, yeah, okay, I know something, but there is so much more to know about it. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're humble about things, um, uh, of course, there is so much it is not going to get boring. If you're going to say like, hey, I, I've done it all, uh, I, I know it all, uh, then you're probably just like uh, you have too big of a head, probably. Um, there is always something to learn. There's always things to expand. There are always th things to look forward to, things to work on. I mean, let me just give you a very brief example of what what I'm doing right now, what I could be doing and what I will be doing. So, of course, we have just a Nürburgring, just social media that I'm, of course, the biggest channel I have is YouTube. Now you have upcoming media like TikTok. Should you invest in there? If you're going to invest in there, it's completely different media. It's something you need to learn. You need to know how to be doing, attract newer audience. With new audience comes new ways of having to attract them because my biggest following right now is uh, of the age between i would say 25 to 45 which is actually a very very good following but if i want to yeah. attract younger people at some point i would need to come up with new strategies and moving on to that how is the world going to be in five years uh are we Am I going to be a stuck-up dinosaur who is going to say like, oh no, internal combustion engines only? Or am I going to embrace EVs at some point? Because now people who two years ago starting doing stuff with EVs like Teslas or other cars, they're actually big uh, because the EV group is a completely different target audience that you have. Um, then on top of that, you have, for example, sim racing, which is completely different territory, but it has such a strong connection with cars. But a sim racer and a professional racer, only like if they're like really professional, professional, only then they would like be able to talk to each other and understand each other. But just like the fan base around it, they'll be like, ah, no, this is nonsense. Our thing is the real thing. The same as the, the petrol head guys versus EV guys. The, the Tesla guys are always saying like, oh, stupid internal combustion engine running on dinosaurs. And th these things you would not be able to like imagine a few years ago that people would be saying those things, but this is something that you start seeing more and more because uh, there is such a big variety of, uh, of car cultures, of things. So uh, definitely no, I'm, um, I'm not afraid of uh, knowing it all because as soon as you start thinking that, uh, the, the following moment will be very soon coming is the moment that you will be very irre irrelevant because you'll be just old and nobody will be caring about me. You might be knowing all the things about it, but then the only thing that's going to happen is in 20 years when you're old and, and gray, they might invite you to a history channel to talk about your subject because that's, that will be the only relevance. Um, so you always need to continue learning new things, expanding new things and keep yourself busy and this keeps not only yourself successful, but also occupied and engaged and relevant. I think that's, that's very important not to do it. 
Uh, mm. I mean, it's important to do it and not to think like, I know it all, it, it is boring. Because at that point, yeah, it will become boring, but you will also become boring to, to mm. other people. Mm. And uh, yeah, that, that's a very interesting pitfall that you brought up. Yeah, uh, I think I was just alluding to looking at car owners and, you know, collectors, all of them start somewhere small and then, you know, they come at the point where like, yeah, oh, no, I'm tired of my S2000. Let's get like a, a, you know, old Carrera or something and then build up, build up, build up. And it becomes later on a thousand nine hundred horsepower, something hypercar EV, you know. And unfortunately, we maybe do get used to it at some point. But the thing is, there's, as you said, so much more alleys and areas we can actually explore um, to keep that experience interesting, um, as you would say. So I'm very glad you're not getting familiar or tired or very old sometime soon. So uh, let's get on to more cars because uh, this has gone very deep, although not bad. I mean, I do like uh, just touching on what interests you and what's going on in your life also. But in terms of the Nürburgring, of course, this is something I have to talk about. Your party trick. And since, okay, so I started watching you since you were boosted Boris. Okay, you were. Oh, wow, that's a long time away. ago. You were by far and away the funniest Russian guy I've ever seen. Um, maybe, maybe a bit inappropriate at times, but definitely always funny. Um, I actually went to look at. I YouTube have a question today. to you. I have a question to you. Okay. Do you do. think, do. in today's climate, political climate environment, boosted Boris would be possible to do? Oh, boosted Boris would be killed off. <laughs> <laughs> boosted Boris, actually, so Boosted Boris, the channel is still alive. The the last video, the the most recent video you posted, or Boosted Boris posted rather, was I think two years ago. And I watched this one about, uh, I think it was you and Mate Rimat. Um, yeah, you were speaking about the uh, concept two, and you talking, <laughs> you were talking about potatoes powering the uh, concept two, and like you were talking, oh, it was actually so funny. I couldn't stop laughing. It was, and you talk about capitalist. Oh my word! No, this yeah. is just bringing it all back. It all back. That, 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 um, that, that's a funny story because uh, sorry to interrupt you there. We're going off no, topic, but I think no, it's no, fun no, mentioning no. because, uh, of course, this video was shot in two thousand eighteen. I think yeah, it was in eighteen. It was published in two thousand nineteen. Uh, no, it was shot in seventeen and published eighteen. Doesn't matter. Um, yeah, I think it was 18 and we published it in 19. That was exactly the thing. And uh, it was quite interesting, the things that were talked about and there were some uh, some uh, some things were said and people just, just should watch the, uh, the, the video. And the marketing manager of uh, Rimats, she absolutely hated it. She <laughs> absolutely hated it and she... And she hated me because I posted it on the 8th of March, which is the International uh, Women's Day. And I'm, oh saying some offensive, <laughs> I'm saying some offensive things about women. And her mom watched it and she wanted to kill me. And she blacklisted me from every Rimas event possible. And eventually I became her colleague. <laughs> <laughs> the, irony. the irony. It's, yes, it's unfathomable. Yes, yeah. That's amazing. And, uh, we no, became, yeah, no. we became very good friends, and uh, we still are talking every single day. And uh, that's that, that's how funny it is. And actually, in that video, uh, Mate says like, you know what, you should come work for us because. <laughs> but I must say, Mate also played along very well. Um, but I think I might as well touch on that also. 
So you've worked on some amazing projects over the years, you know, besides just Apex and your your main job, if you'd call it that. Um, so maybe talk about your experience with Remark. I know you have some other big projects you maybe want to talk about, but maybe mention a few and just chat about how that was, how the experience was working with these big brands as an individual. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's a pretty broad question. I mean, what can I say? About, I, I can say so much about it. First of all, yeah. um, what, what, what did I do at Remac? It was um, my role had to do with digital content. My official t- title was uh, digital content coordinator. It's, a, it's a, just a pretty fancy thing, a pretty fancy title. In reality, I was de- dealing with digital content, whatever, whether it was internal or external. What does it mean? Were you just running social media page for Remac? Yes, I was. This was digital content. But also whenever Top Gear would come and make a video about Remac, it was also digital content. So I need to make sure to accommodate that they would have all the possible things, that the car would be represented in the best possible light. So, but also internal things um, like employee photography. So if it has any significance to digital content, whether it's internal or external, uh, it had my name on it and uh, I was somehow related to it, big or small. And uh, the most fun part about that job was apart from working with the the technology, not only of tomorrow, but of the next five years uh, that you're gonna see in in form of the C2, but also in form of the other cars that of course, uh, Remac is known that uh, it has shareholders in form of Porsche and Hyundai and at some point that technology is going to end up in those cars and um, this is something to be able to witness this. This was just like enormous sense of pride, so to say, and uh, I would even say hmm, um, being realizing that I'm fortunate enough to be in that position to work with that technology with those people and knowing what is going to happen in the future. That was, of course, the best part. Uh, but other thing was the creative control, so to say, writing the scripts for the marketing campaigns, marketing campaigns that uh, we were able to show to uh, show YouTube videos, but things that we were not able to show because they were highly confidential, but they were supposed to um, make the target audience purchase that car. So like really like something, you know, something really cool. And that was like, oh, I wish I could post it on my social media or like on Facebook to say, I did that, I yeah. made that clip, yeah. you know? Uh, but unfortunately, yeah, the job required otherwise, and it was great, and it was an extremely great working environment uh, because um, at this point, company has 900 employees. When I joined, it had slightly more than 700, so it's growing extremely fast. Yeah. Um, but it was still small enough to be cozy, but it was big enough to understand the automotive environment, automotive market, automotive industry, because oh, you had spot. all the diff. Yeah, because you had all the different departments, design, vehicle engineering, vehicle dynamics, composites, uh, marketing, sales, everything, service, uh, prototype assembly, normal assembly, like, and to know everything about it because now you you knew how the car car company would be functioning. Um, And that was something that uh, like helped me a lot to understand the industry from the inside. Uh, but more importantly, of course, working in marketing MPR, and uh, I mentioned it quite often, uh, Marta Longin, who is the head of mar- um, marketing MPR at Remax, she taught me a lot. Uh, she was the best part, probably, working at Remax because she learned me a lot um, about 
the PR, about the way of expressing things, the way to pay attention for the small details that you otherwise would be possibly be missing. And this was, um, in terms of the shortest time frame, I would say that I had contributed to the, to the project because I spent there uh, around nine, nine to ten months. Um, I learned so much that I haven't learned, I would say, in my whole life when it comes to car industry. Otherwise, wouldn't be able to if I did not have that function. So for that, I am yeah. eternally grateful. And uh, we parted, I would say, we didn't really part it, but I left the company because I just like, I was missing the Nürburgring too much. And this is something that they could not understand and believe. They said, dude, why, how? You left in the first place, how can you miss the, some stupid woods in Germany while you have here Croatian sea and mountains and great food and us, of course. And like, I know, but I don't, uh, <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> um, but what I'm referring to is that we uh, we parted on very good conditions that we still nowadays still talk every single day and we do something together. And uh, just recently I was filming a Rimac getting suspension set up at KW. So, and we, we both said like, hey, if you're gonna end up having an R&D center at the Nürburgring, I'll be the first one to come and work for you again. Yeah. It's just like, I want to be here because this is the place I love. And um, yeah, basically that. And I think I got yeah. so sidetracked that I forgot what was your actually your first question. No, what I was no, trying no to answer. You, you answered, yeah. So I think you answered the question. Don't worry about it. It was a very broad one. Um, did they in any chance show you where the holy potatoes are grown, where they actually power the Concept 2 from, or is that sort of, you know, confidential information? <laughs> I signed a very strict NDA. I'm not sure I'll, <laughs> I'm allowed to talk about any te technological uh, <laughs> plans. Potatoes. <laughs> Potatoes <laughs> okay. or not, yeah. Okay. Yeah, don't worry about it. I'll find out someday. Um, but I think at some point, doing your line of work, of course, these products still to do with cars um, come along the way and they're awesome opportunities. But I mean, surely, you know, there are these brief moments of, you know, those pinch yourself moments where you're like, oh my word, I'm actually working with this brand, paving a new way in this new technology or whatever and that actually just is such an humbling experience i would presume just sort of saying like wow i have this experience i have this opportunity working with this brand of so and that is sort of i think these moments uh, they sort of you know trademark i don't know stuff you'll remember later on in your life when actually a very old man saying like this is a progression i've made so yeah not really a question more just opinion in any way well I, I do want to comment on that however um yes yes you are right of course i i get to work with amazing projects with amazing brands amazing manufacturers i mean of course i worked for rimas directly last year we uh, worked with bugatti with helping them to organize uh, some activities at the nervacring i worked with porsche working with, with multiple brands and this is a very humbling experience like uh, oh my god it's great but uh it's you know i i try like quite often i get enjoy uh, it, it sounds maybe like you know tr trying to, to to make things more colorful than they are but it's not um for me like the more impressive memories uh i get from like individual encounters when people come to the nubakring and they tell their stories um like i i gonna t like Someone asked me, what is your most remarkable moment, your remarkable ride of last year? 
Now, if you're going to ask me what's the most remarkable ride ever, I'm going to say um, the ride I had with my grandmother when I took her for 300 kilometers per hour lap around the Nürburgring. And she was saying, why are we going so slow? And she's 80 years old. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah, exactly. That's something that I will like uh, forever cherish uh, because, of course, it's a relative. It's my grandmother and uh, she, she helped raise me and stuff. Uh, that's remarkable, like the most favorite lap overall. But when it comes to last year, 2020, uh, people were saying like, oh, was it the Bugatti? Or uh, was it the Senna? Or was it the lap with Robert Kubica, which is now the most uh, watched video on my channel ever with 4.2 million views or even more? Uh, no, the most, the lap that really impacted me was from a gentleman who just came and rented the car. He also stayed in our hotel for... Uh, uh, for a weekend almost or for, for a number of days and I got with him in the car and uh, started doing the briefing and stuff and in 2020 and still nowadays in the midst of pandemic la, da, 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 according to Nürburgring rules you have to wear a mask inside the car and so I had that and he didn't and I said listen uh, I'm sorry sir but uh, the rules require you to uh, to wear a mask require us to wear a mask and he said, Misha, I've been watching your videos for quite a long time uh, and I'm a big fan of you. I didn't want to bring this up and I still don't find it relevant, but I, uh, I would like you to ask if we uh, can do it without a mask or at least me. You can wear it for your safety, but I would like not to do it because I have actually a very, um, uh, I'm uh, deadly ill, basically. Uh, I have a lung disease and I will not be here this time next year. And I'm here to do my, um, yeah, bucket list item to uh, to enjoy the track, and I'll be dead anyway. So Corona is not scaring me, and I just want to enjoy the moments here with you on the track, with the car. That's something. Yeah, wow. I want to have fun, you know. And this something I was like, <laughs> like even now when I'm thinking of it, like I'm I'm, I'm tearing up when I remember it, it was such a like <laughs> shivers, and. Um, Something like that, there is no ride in no Bugatti, Koenigsegg or Pagani that is going to, to top that. Um, those individual stories that you get to experience along the way, these are like the most precious experiences um, that I get to experience and that I call myself fortunate enough to be able to experience, but also um, to... Uh, influence other people's lives, I would say, to, to make the, that decision to come to the Nürburgring and to enjoy and to say, F we're just gonna go out with a bang in this case. And in other, there are m many other cases uh, similar to that, not to such an extreme, but where people say like, hey, because of you, I decided to, uh, to F I'm gonna go with my dream and passion and build a car and have fun. And that's the most, uh, most precious thing to me as an influencer, I would say. I hate that word, but if that's yeah. the way yeah. when it comes to describing influencing people to such an extent uh, then that is the most humbling and the most uh, the greatest part so yeah yeah so you sort of touch on what i wanted to ask next but between you know shooting videos meeting awesome people working with awesome brands driving the most amazing cars uh driving people around on the track um narrating a lap uh blindfolded basically um, you know, all these amazing things, you know, what is actually your favorite part of the job? Like if you could only do that one thing in a day, you know, what, what part of your job would that be? Would it be part of your job even? 
Yeah, I, I think it's going to be then just, um, well, if I have to pick one thing only, then it would be actually instructing, funny enough. I mean, if YouTube, yes, making videos, then it would be that because that's my main source of income, of course, but, um, and it's related to that, but somehow uh, nobody at Apex or even Nürburgring understands, especially Nürburgring professionals that I enjoy instructing because good drivers are quite often extremely bad passengers because they don't trust other people. Yeah. And of course, majority of people that come to us, they say they actually want to become better driver. They actually want to listen and do stuff, but other people are simply forced to have someone next to them on their first lap to make sure that they're not going to be a danger to others and themselves. And then they're like, ah, uh -huh. I can buy 20 of those cars and I can buy the whole Nürburgring if I want to, I have so much money. Those people we actually encounter and some people find it funny to crash a car and to brag about it back home to their friends because they did it and they pay with their po pocket money. And uh, this is of course a very sad part about that job and that's why many people don't want to be doing that. But I'm actually really enjoying doing that um, because, yeah, I don't know, I might be stupid, I might be adrenaline junkie and... Uh, uh, but I would say the positives outweigh the negatives whenever you have just like one, one or two people when, when they scare you shitless. The, the hundreds and thousands of people who then years later on, like even now I still see, uh, read something whenever I ask someone on, on Facebook, like, hey, where should we go to people that I have drove with in 2017? They said like, you should go to Apex, you should go to Misha because uh, I had the time of my life and that's something like the most fun part because then you get to sit in the car and not only instruct but also talk about cars, you have time to spend to talk with each other, talk about the Nürburgring etc. This is like that meeting people and sometimes you get to meet very extraordinary people like I mentioned in a previous example. So that's yeah. probably the, the most yeah. fun part of the job. Yeah, you just mentioned how sometimes people, you know, get so scared driving with you, not that your incompetent driver, but because you drive so well and they just can't comprehend uh, because the Nürburgring is also quite a wild track. But have you ever driven with someone or have been an experience on the Nürburgring where you have been scared out of your wits? Yeah, absolutely. No, it, it, uh, I mean, the, the, um, I'll tell you like that. Uh, I have not been scared or even impressed uh, by someone who is driving fast. Uh, this was like the most, uh, I would say, annoying uh, comment uh, I had to read when it was the, the lap with Robert Kubica. We did a 7 minute 20, which is an impressive time, and of course. But we did also, uh, I experienced sub 7 minute laps, so we, which was significantly faster, but significantly faster cars. Uh, but the, what everyone was saying, like, oh, Misha is quiet, he must be scared. Like, no, I'm quiet because I want, I'm filming for you guys, I want you to enjoy the content. <laughs> Um, and it's a very minor irritation, I would say, to, to be aware, yeah. but some people were genuinely f thinking that, and that's okay to think that, but that was for me something like, my God, no, there is nothing, this guy is a professional, he's a Formula One driver, like the world-class driver, the maybe the very best driver I will ever get to experience in a car, um, especially considering his background. I trust him completely with my life, with the material that we have at Apex, there is nothing to be scared of. I know that he has everything under control and if he doesn't, no one would, would have had it under control and he would still make the best out of a negative situation, you know? And this is relatable to actually pretty much everyone. I would um, get into a car who is driving fast. So I would not be scared 
uh, when it comes to driving fast. So um, I would be scared when someone is inexperienced and trying to prove a point. That's for sure. Um, definitely, I had um, moments like that where, where I'll be thinking like, dude, slow down. You're going to get ourselves both killed. But the most scary moments that I'm experiencing is... Um, as an instructor, I, I also mentioned like this, uh, this example a couple of times. Uh, uh, the most scary experience I had is when, when a gentleman rented a car from us and uh, he rented it for his dad for, because he wanted his dad to experience the Nürburgring. Now, of course, you can also let him do it in a taxi lab, but no, he wanted his, his dad to drive a car himself. It needed to be a manu manual gearbox because that's what real men drive mm -hmm. and needed yeah. to be a BMW, but they also didn't want to spend too much money. So, well, perfect. BMW 218. Well, when you're thinking of a guy who is wants to give a, a gift to his dad, you probably think of guys like us, our age. So his dad might be like 40, 50 years old. No, the guy was 50 years old. His dad was 87 years old. And that's confidence inspiring. It's confidence inspiring. Um, his dad probably never driven a car for the last 20 years, maybe. I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, okay, the, the, the trip to the track was okay, you know, because sometimes I would already say, like, okay, on the way to the track, you would say, like, you know, maybe we should not do this. Maybe that's irresponsible. But I always have the benefit of the doubt because I don't want to be judgmental. But after the first lap, I'm, I can say, like, okay, we're not doing this. But I always give the benefit of the doubt because... I had 87-year-old uh, uh, girl, girls who just had their driver license for one month impress me like, oh my God, you're one of the best drivers, uh, relatable speaking, that I've experienced. So I'm not going to say also in this case it, it, it's going to be bad. But it, it turned out to be uh, quite hmm, scary experience because it was the busiest Sunday of the month. There were like sometimes 400 cars on the track. There were trains of Porsche GT3 RSs flying with BMW M3s. Just, you know, five cars bumper to bumper because they know each other and, and flying through the track sections approaching 300 kilometers per hour. Whereas he wouldn't be able to go faster than 60 because he never experienced speeds faster than that uh, yeah. his whole life. Yeah. And then I'm just like, stay right, stay right, stay right. Pulling the steering wheel, stay right. He's like, yeah, but it's a racetrack. I want to experience a bit more of that. Like, no, it's not a racetrack. It's a public toll road. And you're in the wrong place, wrong time to do that. I hate to explain that, but I don't want us to yeah. get us both yeah. killed. Pull back to the right. And then just praying that the guys behind us, who where we would have 250 kilometers per hour speed difference between us two, that they're going to think like, that might be a tourist. That might be a guy who's going slow. Maybe we should take extra caution. And that was just like, fuck. And that, that's always the case with, uh, with people. Because if someone is driving too fast and he's trying to prove a point, he's trying to do anything, you can always tell him like, yo, bro, slow down or it's end of today, you know, or you're getting out of the car. If someone is not able to go faster, you cannot speed them up. You cannot help yeah. tell them to go faster because the that's also going to be a bad outcome. Then you're just like praying for the best outcome. And that's, yeah, yeah. that's the scariest part of the job and like of any experience, I would say. Yeah. Okay, cool. Now I'm going to ask you a five quick fire questions. Okay. I don't, uh, you, you shouldn't actually be able to think of it. You should just answer, but I don't care if you think about it for some time. Anyway, here we go. First one, fastest car you've ever driven. Ever driven. Uh, uh, Bugatti Veyron. Okay. The car you hate the most. 
multiply. Multiply. <laughs> okay. Manual or manual? Manual or manual? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there is no other choice. It should be one of the two. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, then let's go for manual then. <laughs> it has to be manual. Next one. If you weren't doing what you're doing, if you weren't doing anything with cars, what would you be doing? My dream was to be a history teacher as a oh, kid. Wow. So oh, wow. I, I wanted to be that and I still, uh, whenever I get chances to do something like that, I always enjoy talking to people and uh, doing this type of stuff. So hopefully maybe one day I'll get to do that. If there is a small hope inside of me that YouTube is going to be failed, uh, Nürburgring going to get closed and I need to find a job and I'll be saying, well, now I have to become a history teacher. <laughs> okay, hist uh, what history in what? History in cars, potatoes, pancakes. <laughs> no, just like high school history. So like history, history about uh, like Greece, Egypt, like the Middle Ages, all world wars, everything. Everything what happened before up until now in okay. the last 5,000 years, I would say. And then the last one, your dream road trip. So you choose the car and you choose your road trip. Choose the car. I actually want, like, I'm not, I'm not sure if I ever going to do that but unless I'm going to have like just a crazy amount of money to spend. I want to build something like a Dakar type of Porsche, um, but then like the modern one. So like the 992, but then just uh, race and go off-roading. So not I the Singer one, the, the modern. Th that's a nice one. Yeah, exactly. They built it actually more or less, but I think it might be a bit too extreme because I don't think okay. it will be able to, uh, um, I don't think reliability is going to go there, be going to be there because I do want to make a road, uh, like a world road trip with that car. So if I'm going to put some shitty fuel somewhere in Nigeria, <laughs> well, traveling through Africa, I don't think the engine is going to yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Nigeria might have very good fuel, but that's just, just like, um, you know, some um, in Russia. Let's go in Russia. You also have very bad fuels. So, <laughs> yeah, Misha, I want to thank you. Uh, thank you for joining. Thank you for being willing and thank you for just sharing your passion in, on your YouTube, on your social media. Um, keep being slightly inappropriate now and then because we can't be too serious in, in this kind of world we do live in. Um, but in, in any case, I also wanted to ask if you wanted to let the people know where they can get you on social media, YouTube, um, yeah, anyway, really, where can they get in touch? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, if, uh, I would love to, to people, if people love the Nürburgring and if they loved what they heard me talking about, uh, feel free to follow me on uh, YouTube, on Facebook, Instagram, um, Twitch. I never posted anything there, but I always said if I'm going to get 1,000 followers, I might do a Twitch video. <laughs> <laughs> um, TikTok I started as well. So, uh, yeah, just to see whatever platform you like and enjoy the most and uh, get in touch. And uh, I also want to thank you for these great questions because these were some of the questions I never had and I enjoyed answering and going into into depth. And um, yeah. as mentioned previously, yeah. I hope that you're going to get even like the more important impressive people at some point and uh, physically <laughs> larger of course larger exactly and uh yeah i wish you all the success and luck in the world and uh, keep awesome. on pushing and uh yeah i'm sure you will hear more of you awesome thanks man but you guys know where to get him uh you misha usually ended off and i say it's it's better loving cars than loving drugs so cheers guys have a good day.